Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, my name is Ben Standing and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. And this Monday morning has turned into a quite the day. We thought we'd be dealing with aftermath of Washington's thrilling comeback win against Atlanta. A, bunch, a, a truckload of injuries, including the Brandon Sheriff and Logan Thomas. And, you know, get Ron Rivera's reaction to that heading into a Saints game. And then obviously, and I talked about all that. Well, you'll hear a lot of those thoughts today on the podcast. I caught up with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. We did sort of our quarter of the year, a quarter of the season breakdown um, on, on a bunch of these different topics that you would expect. But then we got a curveball this afternoon. Um, a report from NBC4 locally, NBC Sports Washington, um, that Washington football team head trainer Ryan Vermillion is under federal investigation. Um, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Ron Rivera spoke to a degree about that. I've spoken to different people um, at this point as well. Um, I'll let you know what I've heard and what this kind of means, as well as the injury updates on Sheriff Logan Thomas, John Bostic, and others. Some of it not good. Uh, I'll just say John Bostic and Tory McTire out for the season. Ron Rivera let us know. So, uh, so, so a lot going on here with the Washington football team. We'll get to everything in just a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Of course, you can find the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, or yes, now, if you missed last week's news, you can now find it on the Athletic app. Um, I really appreciate everybody uh Excited for that. Another way to, to, to find us. If you're already a subscriber, you get that and you get that without ads. So that's something to consider if you haven't been subscribing yet to the podcast or to, to The Athletic. If you do it now, uh, you get 50% off the subscription rate and you get the ad free. Otherwise, hey, we're going to still be here doing our thing. And, and I appreciate everybody's support uh, there. Uh, in addition, of course, you can check out my work on The Athletic, my written work. I wrote off of the game last night, kind of writing to effect of how, hey, you know, even though Washington got the win, the cracks are still there, and it's starting to reach a point where even Ron Rivera is acknowledging, hey, we've got to we've got to clean some things up, or this thing isn't going to get turned around. So, um, hope I'm curious to see what you guys think of, of my views on that, and more to come this week on the Standard Group on the Athletic as well as on the Standard Group Only podcast. Uh, all right, so um, let me get to. Let me let me get to this uh, uh, Ryan Vermillion trainer story, and then we'll get back to um, th- some of the team things. All right, so first off, let's, let's just get some quick background. Ryan Vermillion, he is the head trainer here in Washington. He was really the the first hire Ron Rivera made upon coming over here from Carolina. They worked together for nine years with the Panthers. Vermillion was with Carolina for 18 18 seasons and you know he, he he gets mentioned a lot around these parts he was effectively put in charge of dealing of, with the team's covid response last year and you know if you listen to press conferences when it comes to injuries Rivera is often saying Ryan Vermillion is the guy he's got to talk to about what's going on with the players and he'll you know uses that as a crutch at times to not give us information because he hasn't talked to the trainer until after he speaks to us and so on and so on in any event um Ryan Vermillion has a lot of uh, has a lot of uh, sway over in the building. It isn't just a guy who has been hired. He is Ron, one of Ron Rivera's main guys, which makes it even a little bit more notable when today we hear um, this news that uh, there is there was an invest there was a 
an investigation into Ryan Vermillion. Now, what the team put out as a statement was this, quote, Ryan Vermillion has been placed on administrative leave due to an ongoing criminal investigation that is unrelated to the team. Uh, what I was told um, by various sources is the following. This was a DEA search. The, the DEA executed uh, search warrants last Friday. Um, there may be other uh, other authorities involved, but D, the DEA is what I've been able to confirm, and I've been told by multiple sources that this is a DEA-led situation. Uh, I had somebody tell me they've, they've been aware of this going back to March or early early in 2021. Um, yesterday, Ryan Vermillion was not in Atlanta. There were a lot of injuries. Obviously, you saw you saw the various people go down during the game that the assisted trainers were handling those duties. Uh, I, I had, um, I'm aware that the assistant trainers are making call, outgoing calls today or keeping people in touch uh, with what's going on with the various injuries. Now I asked Ron Rivera today, who's handling, um, the, who's, who's running the training department now, essentially. Uh, he just said, you know, quote, the doctors will, 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 will handle and they'll, def- they'll, they'll lead the way I don't have a name, unfortunately, though, specifically to that. Uh, Rivera said specifically to the Ryan Vermillion investigation, he would, he just he continually deferred to the team statement. He did just say, quote, I won't comment on how I personally feel about what's going on. And it is notable, right? Because, um, you know, a lot of the things that have happened to this point under this team have to do with what happened before Ron Rivera was hired, including obviously last year's um, various harassment charges and um, or not charges, but harassment allegations, as well as various other um, matters. Uh, Ron Rivera talking to me, I don't remember if it was on this podcast or, or just solo, you know, was pretty emphatic to me early you know, last year saying, hey, I get it. We need you guys need to ask about these things that happened before, but judge us on what we do now. Okay. Well, I can't. We can't make a full judgment right now on what's going on because we don't quite know what's going on. But this is a guy that Ryan that, that Ryan Rivera brought in, and that is notable. That is, you know, not to make a joke about this, but this is important. This isn't just interesting to use one of his phrases. This is important. It's significant, and we'll have to see where this goes. For now, Rivera said that he's going to do his best with the players to get them to focus on what he said is important, which means playing football. Um, that the hopefully they should be able to compartmentalize things. Obviously, you know, I, this is going to be now an interesting subplot, to say the least, an important subplot, to, to, if I'm going to play this word game, to say the least, going into a big game against the Saints. Washington is now 2-2. Two and two. And, you know, we'll, I'll get into more about this, where they are as a team and, and everything else following this game at Atlanta. But, you know, this is now another thing. I, I don't want to just say it's a distraction, uh, but it is. It is another. It is a different topic we'll be talking about now for the foreseeable future because there's an investigation going on. I'm sure there will be reporting, whether from us or, or some of the other uh, notable outlets in town or, or nationally, perhaps, depending on where this thing goes. So a lot going on here with this. Uh, head trainer Ryan Vermillion under uh, criminal investigation that I'm told is led by the DEA. So... More to come on this for sure. Um, as far as the actual injuries to the football team, there were a lot of guys that went down yesterday. What Ron Rivera could tell us definitively today was that John Bostic is out for the year with a with a pectoral injury. And that cornerback Torrey McTire, who was hurt on the literal last play of the game, is out for the year with an ACL injury. Uh, 
bummer for each of those guys individually, of course. Um, you know, you never want to see anybody go out for an injury. A guy like McTire, he just makes this team kind of coming out of nowhere and have this opportunity. Uh, injuries have been an issue for him in his past. He's got another one here. Bostic's obviously been fairly, you know, you know du- durable enough, I guess. Um, played, you know, played a lot of snaps last year uh, for these guys, but um, he's now out. Um, in addition to that, a more notable, perhaps, Brandon Scherf. Now, Adam Schefter reported that Brandon Scherf is out roughly two to three weeks with a sprained MCL. Ron Rivera said he more or less that more or less jives with what he had he had heard. I, again, I started to wrap wrap your brain around what what he heard, but he said he still needed to talk with some of the tra- training staff. Uh, Logan Thomas dealing with a hamstring injury week to week, also according to Schefter. But again, Rivera said that that made sense for what he had heard. Uh, beyond that, Cam Sims was dealing with a sore hamstring, uh, or was dealing with a hamstring injury yesterday, and I've been told it's uh, it's a sore hamstring at today, but I don't know what that means for his status. Also, Deami Brown was dealing with a knee injury yesterday. Whatever that is, it gets not enough to be going on, on IR or anything because Rivera didn't mention it. Again, there was a lot normally on a, on, a, on a Monday where they have these injuries. That would be center stage. It wasn't today because of these other because of this other matter involving the training staff uh, with these players out other op- players now are going to get opportunities to play uh, the John Bostic one to me is obviously very interesting one Jamin Davis is now front and center there is no more training wheels in a sense right he's going to have to play um, Washington is doing a lot we've talked about this before doing a lot to limit their linebackers exposure um, they played they didn't. They used them as little as possible. It felt like yesterday, looking at the, some of the snap percentages, Cole Holcomb had played, I believe, every snap through three weeks. He was into the 80-something percentage um, this week. And um, But either way, Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, those are probably going to be your two main guys. But, but Rivera mentioned Kalik Hudson is now going to get an opportunity, and maybe even Dave, David Mayo, who had played some linebacker in previous stops. So I wouldn't be surprised, of course, if Washington... Um, add somebody, and maybe even from outside the building, um, you know, Jordan Kanasik is somebody that's on the practice squad, but he's more of a special teams guy. They already have Jared Norris in that role, so I wouldn't be surprised if they explore the free agent market to see about bringing somebody in to help. But obviously, you know, you go back to last offseason, they address linebacker in a significant way with Jamin Davis, but on some level, he kind of just replaced Kevin Pierre-Lewis in terms of bodies on the depth chart, not in terms of playing obviously the hope is davis is a lot better but kpl was somebody who was you know effectively a starter last year davis got in there but they didn't really do much beyond that now maybe the hope was that cleek hudson would be able to step up and do more as a linebacker role but we really haven't seen that much and frankly you know not to add insult to injury but you know john bostic struggled yesterday you know in pass coverage as he's had this year and you know they just didn't seem to have any other options which is why They've been using a lot of, yesterday they were using five defensive linemen and six defensive backs, all different kinds of things to do to, to, to cover up their limitations at linebacker. Um, what else? Uh, Rivera said Sadiq Charles will be up on the active roster this week with Brandon Sheriff out. Also sounds like Samus Reyes is going to get an opportunity uh, to, to be able to play on Sunday. Uh, to what extent Logan Thomas is going to be out, I don't 
think Rivera said he was ruled out definitively this week, but, you know, sounded like it could be an issue where he's out at least this week. Um, and obviously we'll see if, if Logan Thomas is out. No disrespect to Brandon Scherf, who obviously was Washington's first pro bowler in forever. But, you know, Logan Thomas, um, there is no real obvious replacement for him, whereas Wes Schweitzer uh, did a good job this week. Rivera said as much, and he's obviously played um, in the past as well. So that's where we're at right now as far as the injuries go, as, as well as this investigation into the head trainer, Ryan Vermillion. So a lot going on. Whew. All right. Uh, a lot going on here with the Washington football team per usual. There's also, of course, a lot going on on the football side. Truly, uh, Michael Phillips and I did our sort of quarter report uh, look at the season, talked about uh, the rookies. We talked about Chase Young and Montez Sweat, Taylor Heineke, and a bunch more. Some some fun stuff, as always, when Michael is on the podcast. We'll get to all that in just a moment here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. All right. As promised, joining me here on the podcast, he is the man about ta- town in Richmond. He is uh, sports editor and Washington football team beat reporter for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. He is Michael Phillips. He survived uh, Atlanta, as did I. The airport was kind of a nightmare uh, in multiple ways, including, Michael, the, 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 the 8 o'clock, that they stopped clear, so I had to deal with the, the the insane line, and all the food was closed. It was a after a long day. I know these are like very definitive first world problems, but after a long day, I was like, "Come on, are you serious? This was this was not fun." First world problems. I'm still manager editor for costing me food uh, on the Denver trip like seven years ago. Um, that was his fault. This one, this one was uh, Atlanta imposed. I, I mean, like travels back you know like the, the airport was full all the flights are full like the whole world's there on a sunday night uh no food options it, that was wild man I, I did not see that coming no not 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 at all fortunately the flight back to uh to dc not or for me in richmond i guess it's a little bit longer for you oh no richmond's closer what am i saying uh oh yeah i, I yeah. forget yeah. what direction and, I'm headed. you know we we were flying during the brady game so got got to watch that and you know, and enjoy that. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the TV on the plane, that, that's got to be a top five innovation of, of, of all time and travel right there, man. Like that, that, that makes a trip go just so much quicker being able to, you know, watch the late game on the way back and, and, and kick back, relax, uh, you know, have a beverage or two, if that's your thing, they don't serve them to you on the plane anymore. Cause we, we can't have people getting rowdy. Um, but you know, just, uh, uh, you know, getting to watch the Brady game was, was a nice end of the day. Uh, I actually basically didn't watch it. The Wi-Fi on the plane was fairly spotty. I had JP Finley Oof. sitting in the aisle seat across from me. He was watching it, but he he kept telling me, kept going in and out. So he'd give me updates. And I had Charlotte McBride from WSA sitting next to me. So I just ended up talking with her the whole time. And JP would just tell me various things. I did see the last like 30 seconds as we board, as we got off the plane. So I saw the doink and that was, um, that, that, that was Big the week. extent of that. Big weekend for Charlotte. She was between the hedges there in Athens. That's uh, uh, that that's a great town, Athens, and and you know the Georgia game. She's on the sidelines there enjoying that. That that's a great way to spend a Saturday. And and they they throttled Arkansas. Like so, you know, I'll, I'll take us all the way off the rails. I usually wait until later to do it, but I'll do it now. I've got this college football thing where they they don't need a four team playoff or an eight team playoff or like a twelve team playoff. They need a variable sized playoff. They need to get the committee together at the end of the year and pick. Here are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs this year. Like some years, maybe it's five teams. Maybe but you know, one one year was probably just Alabama and Clemson. Like let's just cut straight to it. It's a it's a one game situation. Um, it's it's Georgia and Alabama this year, and, and then everybody else. 
yeah, it does feel like a significant gap between between them and everybody else. I try to warn people um, in various office pools I'm familiar with not to take Arkansas this week. I was like, eh, I, don't look at the rankings. There's a big gap between what is Georgia two. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a big gap between I, one, and two, only and everybody else. Yeah, and only because Alabama exists. I mean, Georgia has beaten Clemson, now beaten Arkansas decisively. Like, I, I would, I would argue Georgia's the most impressive team in the country right now. You just, you just can't put anybody ahead of Nick Saban until they prove it on the field. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that Clemson game was kind of ugly. I mean, the defense was great, but like this didn't score, so I get that. But yeah, no, it's it's it, that I agree. With you. It feels very much there's two teams, and then there's. Uh, then there's everybody else, um, to say the least. Uh, the, uh, the 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 NFC East is a is a terrible segue. It feels like there's one team <laughs> to a degree, and then there's everybody else. The Cowboys are now what three and one. They're winning. I didn't watch the game, but just looking at the score, they're winning uh, pretty impressively. And Washington, <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this. I mean, we we obviously talked a little bit after the game, but like, you know, they're they're two and two. Um, and, and I guess I'll just say I went back and so Michael and I talked right before the season started. Uh, we did sort of the season preview and I went back and listened to that to try to see like kind of what we said then and, and sort of use that as a way to way to discuss where we are at the quarter, more or less the quarter point here. And, you know, one of the things we discussed, obviously, was, you know, the the, the record and what were the important stretches of the year. And 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 at the beginning, I, I went with the, the the first four games were arguably the most important stretch. I think you went with the NFC East part later because obviously if you're still in the mix you have a chance to win the division and that's totally fair and I was more like well if you don't win these early games you know you don't even get to the end yeah and I and I listened back to it and I was like well they got to go at least two and two but maybe even three and one considering the upcoming schedule they went two and two and if you didn't know anything else like all right you know that, that, that that's not terrible right I mean all things considered but you kind of figured Buffalo would be a loss you never know what you know how the other things would go two road games um, a division game, all that stuff. To get to two and two like they did with an insane win over the Giants, but because the Giants basically gifted them the win, or the refs did, however you want to look at it, with that with that offsides penalty, and then this game against Atlanta, where the Falcons went Falcons, I guess you could say they had this thing in control, and then they let Washington not let <laughs> Taylor Heineke and the offense found a way to get two touchdowns inside the last four minutes. The defense, which struggled again for most of the game held Atlanta the last three possessions of that without doing anything. And they get, they come away with the win. And overall it, it is, it is very hard for me to sit here and say, wow, you know, everything is good there, even though they are two and two, you can't, that, that record keeps them in the game. But, you know, again, to, to, it, it, it feels they're very last year at this point, Ron Rivera starts talking about, Hey, why not us? Why can't we, why can't we win this division? We're all like, really? What are you talking about? You guys are not that good, but he was looking at everybody else this year. It doesn't feel that way. Even though they're only one game behind Dallas, it feels like the gap sort of what you're talking about with Alabama, Georgia, maybe it's not that big because those teams are really off the charts relative to the country, but it feels like the gap between where Washington is and Dallas is, is significant because two and two could easily be and four. Yeah, and you know, I think Dallas has ten in them. I, like, I you could disagree with me if you want, but I, I just looking at at the Cowboys right now and their team and how they're structured, I I think that's a ten win football team. So yeah, you know, just just set that pole in the ground. That's your standard there. It, it you know, this is not a ten win football team. I think we all see that, and and they're not going to reach. It. So you, you need something to happen either way. Now the the next five, uh, I'm, I'm going to say next five, uh, so so I can get that uh, get that 
you know, get all three of the, the marquee opponents lumped in there. The next five, you've got three games that they're going to lose. Okay. Packers, Chiefs, Bucks. You're on the road in Lambeau. You're hosting the Chiefs and the Bucks. You're going to lose those three games. Now, that is a that blows up the conversation if you win one of those three games. But if they if they can win in Lambeau, if they can beat Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, we we rip up everything we're, we're saying here. It's a brand new discussion. It's a brand new day. But you say they're going to lose those three games. It's it's about what you do with the other two. And and they're not cakewalks in Denver and and home against New Orleans. These are both tough games. I, I think this is a defining. You know, these are two defining games for the for the team. You've only got these two opportunities in the next month, really. What are you going to do with them? For, for, for sure. And that's why it feels like, you know, look, it is still early. These first four games do not define the season. They're still, you know, three quarters of the way to go plus a game, right? So there's, there's still a, a long way to go. And look, we saw this team last year when everybody, myself included, was like, yeah, okay, good luck, Ron Rivera, with that positive talk and then somehow with you know all the limitations on offense they rattle off five to win five of their last seven games and win the division and you know on on paper this team is better than last year I mean Taylor Heineke you know look you can't compare him to Alex Smith in totality but in terms of the version of Alex Smith they had last year and he was making obviously a lot of smart plays but Taylor Heineke is giving them a lot on offense uh you know I don't know that what I don't know what, what Ryan Fitzpatrick does in these games um but uh, I don't know. Taylor Heineke is, is making a lot of plays. They've had to score 30 points to win each of these two games. I don't think that's sustainable at all over the course of the year. If they need the offense to score 30 to win, I don't think that's going to work. Um, but they're doing some good things. You would think in theory, the defense should be better, right? Just because if nothing else, they're all the four <laughs> defensive linemen are a year older and they're you know young and sweat are not even close to hitting their prime. So everybody should be ascending. And yet it obviously doesn't feel like like that's happening so i guess um you know to to that end you know where are you right now with this team you know are are, are, are you feeling the the positive vibes that there's going to be some momentum coming out of this that you're not too worried about this slow start because there's still enough here to like or have you seen enough to to for, for the for the alarms to start sounding off in that uh, kansas uh, head of yours Man, you, you, I, I, I know bad football, being, being from Kansas, certainly. I've, I've seen my fair shares of bad football. Uh, you guys had a great article the other day, the, the film room article about the defense. I think you posted that Friday, or, or that's when I saw it on your Twitter. Um, you, you can fill everybody in on the details. But, you know, there, there was some good, some good breakdown action there of just, you know, guys doing their own thing, guys freelancing, guys not being in the right spots. Um, and it was, you know, just wild to see all that laid out on the page. Like, look, I – I'm not smart enough to diagnose every play. What went wrong? Smart enough to know that was Bobby McCain's fault on, on the long touchdown. You know, he, he bit on the short route and, you know, all of a sudden the long route's uncovered. I, you know, I, th- I think we all saw that one. Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't need to be a film guy to do that. Right. But, you know, this, this is wild. This is not what anybody expected. Cause you're right. There's talent on the defense and there's playmaking ability, but man, there, there's something very wrong there. And it, you know, it's four games. It's a trend. It, it's who they are. At this point, it's not an aberration. I, I, it's hard to it's hard to have good vibes if you can't get that going. And that's not to say they can't get it going. I, I, I would assume this is fixable. They're still talented football players. But, man, this is just all the warning lights for me. Like, whoa, this is, this is a bad defense. That, that kind of came out of nowhere. This is a very big issue. Uh, and certainly on offense, you know, look, here's the, two things can be true, Ben. You know, I love my, you know I love Heineke. I'm a Heineke guy. 
he's he's not the long-term answer. Everybody gets that. He's a lot of fun to watch. Just just set all that aside for a minute. Like just set all your like who's the long-term answer or whatever. Like, don't ask that question during the game. Just enjoy watching this guy play. He's loads of fun. And, and by the way, Terry McLaurin is amazing. He just gets better every week. I, I don't know. I'm I feel good about the offense, but I, I yeah, to, to sum it up, I, I feel good about the offense, but man, if you don't get that defense fixed, no, there's there's no good vibes here because because you need a defense to win football games. Right. Um, I mean, what a world that, in, you know, if I told you before the season started that after week <laughs> four, you'd be saying, you know, I feel pretty good about the offense, but the defense, oh boy, I don't know. I mean, that's, it's, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, w- a wild world. Um, Michael and I were talking at a, a little after 11 o'clock in the morning on Monday, Ron Rivera will talk in a couple of hours and, and potentially update us on some of these injuries, which a lot of them were on the offense, Logan Thomas, potentially, Sheriff, um, <laughs> potentially yes. Uh, Deami Brown, so we'll have to see what's up with that. Uh, Curtis Samuel did come back, play 25 snaps. You know, I thought all, all things considered look reasonable. Didn't have like some major big play, but, you know, ha- had a couple of moments and, and you could see how they're going to look to use him um, a bit. But just to go back to the defense for a second, and but and then we'll get to the re- re- rehash our, our good or bad predictions uh, from the start of the year. Um, the, probably the most noticeable thing or n- noted thing to note, I should say not noticeable, thing to note um, after the game was uh, – uh, Bobby McCain came in and talked to us. He was the first player to come in after Ron Rivera spoke. And I, I thought Rivera maybe gave one of his more honest assessments of this team. You know, as much as a coach is going to say anything, especially after a win, he said he, he was look happy with the win. This is Rivera. He's happy with the win. Relieved things went the way they did. He liked their resiliency to, to, to stay in the game, but said, look, hey, we've got a lot of things we got to clean up and we have to be honest with ourselves about what's happening here, because if we're not, we're going to run into a wall soon. And but before... Before you do McCain, can I double click on that? Because Ron was a little bummed out after the game. Like it, it reminded me of that six and three start with Alex Smith, where Jay was never like happy, happy because you you just kind of knew the whole thing was running. It was a smoke and mirror operation. It was going to crash at some point. Like it it was a win, but Ron was a little bummed out talking to us. Right. I mean, literally, obviously, it was a last second win. Heineke has this miraculous play to to uh, JD McKissick right after he throw. He has the, the pass that McLaurin makes a a great play on this should be high as a kite and he was yeah a little subdued he didn't see a dissimilar in tone to almost how he felt after the buffalo game which obviously yeah. was a wildly uh different result and i do think like he's you know like i said he made that comment of hey we <laughs> we can't pretend that we don't have some issues here and i think some of the other players seem to be that way especially on defense john allen said hey we keep we, we keep talking about this over and over again i don't know what else to say and so on um, but I want to get to the Bobby McCain part for a couple of reasons. One, it was the most interesting uh, responses <laughs> of the day. A guy that we haven't talked to a ton, a new guy here. He wasn't here last year. Um, and he was asked, it started when he was asked, it was a defensive, some sort of a, a meeting on the sideline during the first half after Matt Ryan and Cordero Patterson are just sort of shredding them. And he he's asked kind of basically, what were you guys talking about? Or, you know, some to some degree, what was going on there? And, he said, basically, you know, look, I'm not going to tell you guys, meaning reporters, because you aren't on my side. Uh, okay, fine. You don't want to give us the specifics. Fine. But that rather than just simply say, yeah, but well, look, we're just trying to clean some things up. Okay. But instead, he, he goes into that he respects what we do, um, but that they'll, they'll figure it out. We'll figure out the details. And when we, and quote, when we start playing our asses off, I want y'all to write the same shit that y'all write, you know, now. And, you know, I sat there and I was like, get out of here. Like, 
I mean, you know, you're gonna you're gonna come at us. I with- saw that. I saw the wheels turning up there in, in the mind of standing room only. Like you you weren't having it. It, it. I saw it. I saw it happen in real time. Well, you could probably hear it because my you know it's it's uh, you know the, 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 there's a lot of grinding often going on in this brain. Anyway, so I followed up with like, okay, but you do understand, right? Like, it's not like we're I mean making stuff up. You guys are not good right now. Like, what I don't know what you're. What do you mean? Like we're you know as if we're like talking junk and then he says quote yeah i completely understand that we're two and two it's early in the season i understand you guys have a job to do like i said no disrespect to you guys but we couldn't care honestly about your opinions or anybody else's opinions outside of the building because we know what we have to do and i just want to say i didn't real i mean i kind of liked his spunk and spirit like he give me the energy right there's other guys who won't say anything and that's obviously incredibly frustrating when you're in the business like we are we need people to be interesting and engaging we ask questions we want them to tell us what they're thinking even if what they say is crapping on us to a degree right now that that said i don't necessarily like the deflection to to sort of like even suggest that somehow this is anybody's issue the issue is with anybody on 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 the outside um and, and that was basically the gist of my of my story because his own coach had just said, yeah, we have some issues. And McCain was like, uh, you guys are just kind of writing stuff about this. You know, make sure you, you know, you, 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 you stay awake when, when we, when we do better. Well, guess what? Uh, tell, tell me when, and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. I have another thought on this, but give me, give me your take on, on, on sort of that aspect of this idea that like anybody's being unfair to the defense. Four games, Ben. It's been four games. It's been a quarter of the NFL season. They've been bad four times. They just, you know, the, the results on the spe- field speak for themselves. I got no problem with what Bobby McCain said. I, I love it when guys speak their mind. Bashad Breland had a little bit of that in him, too. Uh, you know, I, I, I got things, and I can handle it. Uh, to me, it's more revealing than anything. I, I just, you know, I, and I think Chase Young has been the same way. Chase Young went back to one of, you know, one, one of my least favorite Chase Young lines yesterday. I can't see what's going on behind me. No, no, no. You can't see what's going on behind you, buddy, but you can sure see what's in front of you. And it's a defensive, it's an offensive lineman keeping you from getting to the quarterback. Uh, that's what's going on right in front of you. I know you can see that. Um, you know, it's, and we've seen a little bit like, I think these guys still think they're good. Um, you know, and so I, yeah, I don't, I don't mind being the punching bag to, to get that revealing thought there of like, you know, and Chase Young said the other day, hey, you know, they, these fans are going to be right back on board with us when we're winning. Like, well, yeah, four games, four games. It's this is not an aberration. This is not inconsistency. This is who you are. This is what's that Bill Parcells. You are what your record is. You, you are what your performances show. And they are a, a bad defense right now. That doesn't mean they'll be a bad defense forever. It doesn't mean they'll be a bad defense on Sunday against New Orleans. But it does mean through four games, this group's bad. Yeah, there's there's no there's no doubt about it. Um, I want to spin off one other thing about this, and then we can get to some of our predictions that I keep teasing. Maybe I'm teasing it because I don't want to have people know what we said. Um, well, I I I said that the starting quarterback was going to play 17 games, and I I only missed by by 16 and a half, maybe. So uh, you know uh, you know it's margin of error there, plus or minus 17. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, just just a little bit outside, as Bob Uecker might say. <laughs> just a bit outside. Um. And that is, that is this, that, you know, we all look, I, I, I suspect fans don't give a crap that we are, that the media is not in the locker room. And, but look, I, I also, I do hope that some people understand there's a reason for that. You give some additional color, you know, it, it is a much different deal talking to people sort of face to face in smaller groups than when they're having to stand there in front of this, you know, in, in this sort of 
uh, stilted environment that, that that a media press room can be, and, and you know, we're all it's 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 just not as engaging. It's not as fun. It's better than the zooms, but it's just not the same deal in general. But but here's the other thing I was thinking about, and this was regards to a guy like Bobby McCain, who is new here, right? We don't. I have uh, other than like when the players at training camp, they they would bring some guys into the tent area where we were. And then a couple of guys would come off to the side and maybe you were there. I think I was there when McCain spoke one time. I think maybe you were there as well, but it's, you know, it's not like a, it's still very odd and weird and it's not, it's not personal. It's not casual at all. It's, it's whatever. It's, it's just, there's a separation there. I don't just mean six feet from distance, but a separation of emotionally as people and a guy like Bobby McCain, who seems like a reasonable guy. I don't know. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know you. He doesn't know any of us. And to that point, I don't know him. I don't have any idea who he is. All I know is he's the guy who wears number 20, who plays safety with Landon Collins and Cam Curl, and we see him make some plays here and there, good, bad, whatever. And I have no feel, though, for him as a human being. And this goes both ways, because whereas sort of our point is, why is a guy like Bobby McCain sort of trying to point, point, point at the media as if we're somehow responsible for this? But I admit my own reaction on some level is, hey, I don't know you. <laughs> Why are you questioning me? But I don't know this guy because we're not around them anymore. Now, I was around some of these other guys before, so the John Allens of the world and Terry McLaurin. We did get to know them because of the we were around the pre-COVID. I don't know them now. And the longer this goes on in the Zoom world where we're not with these people, we, we have a connection with Ron Rivera to an extent because we talk to him all the time but I'm right. But I, the, well, some of these players, no, I've never talked to most of these rookies. None of us have right in any real human way. And so I do think that it was reminding me for my own self that the longer this is going to go, the more these players are going to start really looking like his names on a page rather than human beings I'm dealing with. And it was, I was cognizant of that yesterday because it does go both ways um, in terms of how this relationship is when we're separated all the time. Yeah, I got a weird fascination with the British soccer thing. Like, I, I, I was talking to some people who do that, and, um, you know, like, they don't get any access ever. Like, they, you know, all access is, like, paid access there, and, you know, they have weird, like, embargoes and stuff. So, I was poking around on that during the pandemic. Like, I mean, I guess that's just where we're headed here. Uh, you know, it's a disservice to the fans, certainly, to have information that, that's not as good. And, um, you know, I, I – it, it's hard to suggest anybody's in the right or in the wrong. You know, I, I was talking about this with our college guys with, with the NIL, you know, their players understand their voice has value and, you know, they want to be compensated for their time and their image being out there. Um, you know, so it's hard to separate what's, you know, what's the core duty here. The team wants information out there because that drives interest, good or bad. Roger Goodell understands that better than anybody. The NFL being in the news every day for, for most negative stories, now not like the Ray Rice story, but like the Flate Gate or whatever, that was great for business. Like people were talking about the NFL. Um, so you, you'll always have that tension between the league, which wants full access, wants the full story out there, because people care about that. It drives interest. And, and the players who don't, they want to be guarded and, and not have to worry about it. So, uh, you know, that's probably a rambly answer to, to you know where we're going with that. But it, it's a new world. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely not the relationships we used to have for sure. No, not at all. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's stop teasing these predictions. And I, I've already, this is what happens. I, I don't intend to uh, talk forever, but I like talking. So we're, we're, we're running probably long, but and Michael's got a life, but we'll get to this uh, quickly here. <laughs> uh, the, the over under was for, for sacks between Montez sweat and chase young, because they had talked about setting some, some team records, maybe league records, 
for most sacks by a duo. And, and, and I set the over at 22 and a half. You, uh, I believe, gleefully went under. Uh, pounded I, the under. <laughs> yeah, you gleefully went under. I, I, as I listened back to it, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of playfully go over in part because there is no Ryan Kerrigan this year. There is no third person potentially to steal some snaps and therefore both of them guys could play a little bit more and so on. Uh, obviously the under is looking pretty good right now. Montez sweat has three sacks. Chase young has zero, but, but, but sacks. Krispy Kreme, are- no glaze. <laughs> Krispy Kreme with no glaze. Um, the, the, uh, um, it's not even though the sack numbers, and this is the thing with the defensive line in general, it's not the sack numbers. It's just at no point in any of these games, for more than a play or two, does it feel like the defensive line is taking control of the game? At, you, you know, you don't have to get sacks, but are you are you forcing the quarterback out of their comfort zone, forcing them to do other things, making the offensive coordinator just change everything what he has to do, keep an extra blocker in, what have, whatever it may be. I didn't get that feeling yesterday with Atlanta. Matt Ryan was able to do what he wanted, even with a relatively weak offensive line. Daniel Jones looked like he had a pretty good game against the Saints, but he had a really good game against Washington in week two. And those weren't two quarterbacks who at this point where they are in their careers, anybody was fretting about when we just said that Washington is going to face all these good quarterbacks this year. That's all now about to start coming up in, 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 in earnest. And I, I just think that like, it's not just on young and sweat, but this is my issue with the defensive line is if this team is going anywhere, you want to talk whatever heights you want to talk about. It's on the backs of these guys. And we still, after four games, have yet to see them, even for about a series, in my opinion, really take control and, and, and look like a group that is, you know, one of the best groups in the league. Reach on. Yeah, I'm just here to, to echo everything you said. And, you know, look, we, we got another thing we need to talk about, too, and that is Chase Young was not on the field for three third key down, three key third down situations, three third. Um, you know, I'm, I'm professional at this. Um, <laughs> you know, he was not out there in high leverage situations a number of times. I know they got the rotation, but man, one of those came off a timeout. They took a timeout and then they run back out there and Chase isn't out there. Like if he's really your best player, he needs to be on the field in all important situations. He played his fewest amount of snaps on a percentage basis. Yeah. Yesterday. Now it was the most, he still had the most among the defensive line. It did look like they were swapping some guys in and out a bit more frequently. Maybe they determined the coaching staff's determination was they would get better, more play, better out of, their main guys by giving them a little bit more rest. Although ironically, Montez sweat, I think his percentage, I think went up. Um, but let, let me make a determination on their behalf. You're not getting better when chase young is standing on the sideline. If, if he's the player you think he is like, you know, it, I don't know. Like you don't rotate your stars in and out like that. I it, it's, it's baffling to me. Um, it is only four games into this year. Again, I don't, I think it's just too much of a small sample size to make any determinations really about almost anything um, with regards to this, uh, to, to the scene. But like, at what point do you feel that you may start feeling concerned about where Chase Young is as a player? If this continues, maybe you're already there. Maybe it's not till the end of the season, which is probably where I would be. Where, where, I'm not- where are you? Where, where would you, do you think you would be with that? If he's not really, taking you know getting up to where he was last year let alone taking it to another level ready for this generous answer i don't think i would have long-term concern about chase young unless he comes out next year and doesn't dominate i'm willing to spot him an entire year of adjustment and learning to get where he needs to be just because i've seen what a freak he is and 
you know, all the things he can do athletically. Now that said, like, you know, the fans are turning on him. It was funny because, you know, the Tom Boswell column last year, like which, it was a bad column, like dude's a legend, but it was a bad column. And, you know, he, he calls Chase Young a bust. I don't think he said that, but that's what people heard. And, you know, oh, how dare you say that? Now this year we're, th- we're four games in. I mean, oh, Chase Young's a bust. Like, no, 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 no. Everybody take a deep breath. Everybody calm down. This is going very poorly, and there are a number of warning signs, but he's still a freak athlete. For, for, for sure. And by the way, like as I said, Ron Rivera will talk in a couple of hours. Um, last week after the Buffalo game, he's getting, he's getting asked a lot about young and sweat and their sort of lack of impact and our teams paying more attention to them. And he said, yeah, yeah. Teams are paying more attention, but then he said, I'll be very interested to see what happens next game um, with, with these guys yep. in particular. And I'll be curious to see there for what his answer it was a is. good matchup. He knew it was a good matchup. Look, here, yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. You, 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 if you are a number two overall draft pick, Ben, you didn't, it's, it can't be, Oh, it was a tough matchup for him. Oh, he went against a really good offensive lineman. Oh, he went. No, you're paid to win really good matchups. That's why you're a number two overall pick. The excuse making, it's baffling to me. I guess Ron Rivera feels somehow he doesn't have Chase Young fully inside his grasp, inside his inner circle here. Because, man, he excuse makes for this guy more than any other guy on the team. You, you are the number two overall player. You're a generational prospect. Isn't that the word we heard? Generational prospect. You can't, if you're a generational prospect, I don't want to hear, oh, he went against a really good opponent. You are the really good opponent. You impose your will on them. hundred percent. And, and I was early today, I was on the radio with Kevin Sheehan and I noted week four last year, after week four is when Ron Rivera really started the, you know, call out Dwayne Haskins in significant ways and I'm not expecting that of course here it was a different deal and Dwayne Haskins was a whole other thing but at the same point when Ron Rivera says talks about the you know maturity issues and things like that you know if we had to pick any one player he's talking about it does feel like he's pointing to uh to 99 but you know he hasn't yeah, said yeah, that he should say his, he should say his name then right and uh I looked at pro football focuses grades think about them wherever you want they rated Chase Young pretty high this week I have not looked at the film yet so I I don't have my own assessment and like I said it's not just about sacks but at the same point, it didn't feel like it was a game where that he was a dominant player out there again. And I think that's got to be addressed here at some point. Um, all right. Rookie of the year was a question that I asked both of us. Um, your answer was starting right tackle Sam Cosme. My answer was cornerback Benjamin St. Just. And we can discuss either one of those things in particular. St. Juice obviously didn't play this week with the concussion, but I would probably just broaden it out to this. You know, you have Jamin Davis as the first round pick. You have Deami Brown, who's had some type of a knee injury yesterday. We'll see the severity of that. Uh, those two plus the two the, the two that we picked, you know, were, are, are the top four guys. And other than sort of the Samus Reyes, Jared Patterson kind of, you know, fun part, those are the four guys that we're kind of looking at this year to be significant factors. And I, I guess I would just say I am not remotely suggesting any of these guys are busts or bad picks or anything like that. It's way too early. People who are just crapping on Jamin Davis need to probably stop doing that to a degree, even though he's about to get a bigger opportunity. It looks like because John Bostic may have suffered a, a significant uh, pectoral injury. Yep. Uh, that said, these top four picks, none of them have broken out yet. I think Cosby's probably been the, the most solid to, to, to a degree, but by and large, this has not been if we're going to grade them based on what we have, it's been an underwhelming start to that, to that group. Um, 
would be sort of how I look at that more specifically than who's the rookie of the year. Cause honestly, I don't know if any of them would be like, wow, that got to give it to that guy. Give me a repick then. If, if I, if I can let you repick right now, who you pick, who are you taking? I, 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 I probably would go with Jamin Davis because if Pepe, if Bostic is out, he's about to get a lot more snaps. And I think we, we see glimpses of where he could be interesting, but it hasn't happened yet. Obviously um, I, I, I sort of really resist anybody was talking about like i said you know bust or whatever i was talking to somebody the other day about like how, how they do their job are they you know how 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 do they define themselves right now at their career and they said you know okay i was like well were you this good when you were three games into your career they said no i'm like well then what are you talking about why are you criticizing this guy let it happen but that said it's been underwhelming to say the least so uh, I, I guess i would go with jamie davis but only based on opportunity not based on things i've necessarily seen so far Stick with Cosme just because what he's doing is really impressive for a rookie. Like it's hard to be a rookie offensive lineman in the NFL, and he's really held his own pretty well, uh, certainly since week one. So I'm, I'm impressed by that. Look, let's just give it to Cheeseman and keep on moving. You know, I, I yeah, it's, you know, somebody will break out eventually, but hasn't happened yet. By the way, put some dark horse money on Jarrett Patterson. I, I just get the feeling Antonio Gibson isn't going to make it 17 games, like nothing. You know, it, it's tough to do if you're not Derrick Henry and you're not built like that. It's tough to do. Uh, you know, I, I could see him. Uh, I could see him getting some shine if, if if AG has to sit out for a little while. Yeah, I mean, Gibson took a took a shot yesterday. Does, I'm with you. It does feel like he's every every game we're talking about some sort of new new body part that he's uh, got, got some got some issue with, and uh, it could be a rough hill. But JD McKissick, I mean, just unbelievable play, obviously on, on the game winning touchdown yesterday. Um, the, 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 okay, Dustin Hopkins. I'm almost like a surprise. We had a question about this. It was games played this year over under 16 and a half. We both went under and to revisit this now after a game in which he missed two extra points. (laughs) Like I would almost be floored if they, we don't hear that they at least brought in a kicker or two for a workout tryout this week. They've had, they obviously have at some points this year. Look, missing field goals happens. I'm not suggesting that's acceptable. Missing extra points, man, two in a game. And they if, if, if they don't get that last touchdown, they lose by two. So that would have been the difference. Uh, you know, I, I, I look, Dustin Hopkins is a really nice guy, and I wouldn't want to suggest that, you know, anybody should lose their job per se. But, man, I it is a tough one to me, you know, in, it, for a team that, you know, in the NFL, the margin of error is incredibly slim for every single game, basically. you got to be reliable at a minimum from like 45 yards in and at the extra points. And it doesn't feel like that's the case with him right now. I hope there's a very nice 12 pack of Bud Light Platinum waiting on Taylor Heineke's uh, locker this morning. Yeah, he, he bailed his dude out. Look, if they lose the game by two and Dustin Hopkins missed two extra points, I don't have to tell you what happens on the transaction wire today. You just, it's just I mean, that, that's just a foregone conclusion at that point. Now, I think, he, I think he's safe for another week. I think he lives to kick another week. Um, but boy, it, it, it sure feels like he's living on borrowed time right now. Yeah, uh, for 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 sure about, about that. Um, here's another random question I had: player we're not talking about enough that will have a bigger role than expected. Um, uh, you, you uh, I, I'll start with me. I went with Cole Holcomb. Uh, I, I basically said that I think Cole Holcomb, not that he's going to be a Pro Bowl player, but that he was sort of due for sort of a breakout season that he would be their leading tackler. I think he is still their leading tackler yeah. at this point, but I wouldn't say he's had a breakout season. If anything, it feels like it started to go backwards again i haven't had a chance to go look at whatever happened yesterday per se but like the linebackers have been you know on the wrong end of too many um 
passes over yep. the middle by a variety of, of different players. So um, not feeling particularly good about that one, but at this point, he's still their best linebacker, whatever that means. Uh, you went Landon Collins uh, saying it's- basically that Landon Collins, you, you, you were all in on the comeback. We saw a lot of good things, obviously, from him at a training camp. He played 100% of the snaps in yesterday's game, but, uh, you know, it feels like it's still, we're sort of back to where we were pre-injury with him, some struggles in the coverage, and seems like he's, you know, on the wrong end of, of some plays. Where are you on the Landon Collins experience after four I'll say I'll save you the time on pointing out how wrong I am. I, I was pretty wrong. This will be Landon Collins last year in Washington. I, I think we all see the writing on that wall right now. He's, he's just, he's playing for his next job at this point. Yeah, it, it, it's struggle. I mean, the, the secondary. Look, 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 I mean, it, maybe he's making less money. Maybe if you could restructure, maybe you hang him around, you keep him around for for reasons like that. But at, at his salary, you got to be great, and and he's not. He's not great. I, I think he, I think he's better than people think he is, but he's not great. And if you're paying great money and you're not getting great production, I, it's hard to see him hanging around. I, I don't want to suggest that Cam Curl is like killing it, and therefore should be playing more. But I guess I am sort of surprised. That like Cam Curl, he played the third snaps of the three safeties. He uh, yesterday he basically was the nickel back because without St. Juice, they went with um, him and a Tory. Well, uh, yeah, he played over Tory McTire um, for most of the game, and but yet Collins and McCain played the most snaps. I, I just I guess feel like Cam Curl gives them the most versatility, and I do feel this is one of those times where it's easy for Rivera.